morning, everyone. It's Judith A. Hope. You're listening to Mad Love. Welcome. So I just want to thank everybody who, um, all the support I've been getting for the podcast. So much love, so much, um, you know, so many accolades for my voice, which is hilarious because I'll be honest with you, for a long time, I did not even want to listen to the sound of my own voice. Didn't care for it. But, you know, through the podcast, I've gotten used to it. <laughs> but the voice I hear in my head is so much cooler than what you guys are hearing. And you, a lot of people seem to love the podcast voice. So that's awesome. Um, but in my head, it doesn't sound like this. And then at first, I used to be really jarred at, at the sound of my own voice. But, you know, it is what it is. And so thank you for listening. And thank you for all those compliments. Um more than one person has said that I'm a natural at this, which is hilarious. Uh, More hilarity. Thank you so much. I appreciate the love. I appreciate the support. Um, So yeah, it was uh, quite a finale to the Woody Allen Mia Farrow story. And I saw yesterday that Dylan Farrow, um, she tweets quite a bit. And uh, she really appreciated the support and the voice and the platform and feeling believed. Now, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other people who don't believe her, who are vilifying her and probably don't even care about Woody Allen um, because that's just the way some people are. You know, they're just contrarians. And, um, you know, one thing about crime and the stuff. So crime and media, while they seem like natural partners, uh, they aren't because the instant a crime happens, there's so much that the public will never know about because they're building a case, uh, to prosecute and you can't taint a jury. So you're going to have what a year. And if, if your office is, uh, you know, that's if your office is humming, if you can get someone um, put in jail and to trial in a year, that's your office is humming. But it's normally two to three years sometimes. And I guess after COVID, it's, it could get up to four years. Um, and so depending on the crime, uh, something that's, you know, anything can happen basically before the, before things go to trial. And so you're never going to hear all the details because like I said, they have to pick a jury and they got to not feel some kind of (laughs) way. And, um, you know, so it could be years before you really find out any details. And so people like to rush to judgment. People like instant, instant justice. And there's no such thing and it won't ever be a thing, you know? Um, And I'm not talking low level crimes, although no crime feels low level if you're the victim. But um, anything where it's like child molesting, child rape. um, And normally, I, I would guess I've never seen a case where it was just one kid. Um, Usually, if it was just one kid, then you tend to think that the story was made up. Um, but you know, in a case like this, you'll never know. We won't know unless he tells us. And he, he was born in the (laughs) thirties. Woody Allen is 85 years old. 
He is not about to start talking about anything. They're called the silent generation for a reason. The only thing he's going to say is me and Pharaoh's crazy because that's all he ever says. Uh, And he doesn't say it in a contrite way either. I mean, that was really some fascinating stuff. And I think a lot of victims um, should feel empowered. And, you know, it's not just me too. Um... I mean, it's nice to have names and titles for all these movements, but at the end of the day, it's really just getting closer to humanity and getting closer to doing what's right by the victims, you know, Um, whether the victim is, you know, Black Lives Matter, whether the victim is Me Too, um, whether the victim is trans, you know, um, you just have to start to get to a place of more compassion and to be fair we haven't always lived in a compassionate society america i mean america's just a an example of history it's just one you can go back in time and see how cruel and we've evolved because you know what on my way to work i'm not going to see one person on a crucifix so i mean it's just incredible uh the world that we've crafted for ourselves and it could be so much better we could be so much better to each other um and a big part of that would be just like minding our own business you know and i do think that there are times the media comes in and inflames everything you know they completely bought into everything woody allen said all these men old men who run these news stations uh certainly back in you know 30 years ago they just, you know, Woody's right, she's wrong, she's hysterical, and let's just go. The kid is, the kid is, you know, a non-factor, really. And that's how she was treated. And so I just, I mean, kudos to that family for, for stepping up off after all of these years and, you know, really just stating their side of it. And, you know, that takes bravery. It takes courage. And uh, a lot of victims, I think Bill Cosby probably had a lot more victims that would never stand up and say anything. I think what the last count was like 70 women, you know, can you think it's probably 170 women who didn't want to be bothered with it or who thought, well, it's not a big deal. I went to his house and things happened, but it's not that big of a deal. You know, people who minimize it, that happens all the time. And I'm speculating but I'm probably not wrong. And so we just have to get to a place. And that one really bothers me because I was watching a different world on TV yesterday while I was cooking dinner. And I was like, you know what? This just makes me sad. I was in college. I was at Howard when that came out and Debbie Allen took over the show. And apparently, I mean, that was my college experience. (laughs) A lot of what she must've I think if I recall correctly, she had some Howard students consulting on the show because it was very accurate to what it was like to be at a historically black college or university in the late 80s, early 90s, because that's exactly what it was like. And the the second season, not the one with Denise on it, it wasn't like that. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I mean, that one's tough. That one's really tough because Bill Cosby, the... Uh, philanthropist and uh, television producer gave us some wow some just amazing and powerful television that transformed people's lives 
You know, it was just a commercial to go to a historically black college or more than that, go to a college, because I think a lot of uh, people didn't know what it was like. And, you know, that was still a time where you could get a factory job and it's like, should I go to college? I don't know. Or I could just go get a job. And I think he probably recruited a ton of students. I know I did, but I didn't have a television show. But I was telling everybody to come to Howard. <laughs> you want to go to Howard? Hey, choop. So anyway, like I said, that's tough. Fame, fame is awful. And then you've got all of these. And so again, Bill Cosby was born in the 30s. These old men, I mean, I think it's fascinating to watch these these sort of male institutions and this type of masculinity just sort of get chopped down at the knees because people are tired of just being abused. I think Harvey Weinstein was born in the 40s. Not sure. But his reputation was horrible before the rape stuff. So if you worked in the industry, it was pretty common knowledge that he was just an asshole. He would scream at you and I think there's a whole movie dedicated to him. I want to say Swimming with the Sharks, where he just screams at people. And he's just this awful person. And I think Kevin Spacey plays uh, a version of Harvey in that movie. Um, Ironic. Uh, You know, it's just, ah, it's a fascinating world that we live in. And, And I do think that people need to stop being so concerned. And I'm not I'm not defending anything other than the legal process. It just takes time. And I don't know that the process was ever in. I know the process wasn't invented with the idea of like, now you have social media and everybody's going to know the news all over the world instantaneously. And uh, yeah, it's just not designed like that. Everything takes time. So before you start blaming victims, you know, there are thin cases out there and there are sometimes over eager prosecutors who don't really, you know, have a strong case. And, uh, you know, they, they're just going to go for it. I don't believe just like anything else. I don't believe that's the majority. I believe if you get an opportunity to crack open some of these files and look at the crime scenes and listen to the witness testimony, watch the uh, videos and stuff, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, some of the stuff is not mysterious. <laughs> it's just fascinating. And people want to believe what they want to believe. And so we've fallen in love with this narrative um, that, you know, children of sexual abuse um, can't accurately tell you what happened to them. So, And for this young lady to have to tell that story to so many people, uh, basically be badgered, um, and manipulate it like that. Uh, yeah, incredible stuff. So I would suggest if this is as powerful to you as it was to me, you know, maybe looking into some sort of victim advocacy work, because, um, you know, we need to we need to get to the bottom of this. And I'm telling you, it's just like these Boy Scouts. I had a friend from Howard who worked with with some sort of advocacy group and she knew about the the Boy Scout stuff, I want to say a good two years, three years before it actually made headlines nationally, that, they, that there was just this apex predator amount of sexual abuse 
in the Boy Scouts. And um, she knew about that long before it became the news. And it's like, it's shocking. It is shocking the number of grown people, mostly men who want to have sex with children. I just don't understand that. And I'm afraid to Google it because I don't want Google thinking that that's something I want (laughs) to, that I'm into. I'm just curious because it's got to be like a psychological thing. But I won't ask Google because, you know, Google keeps notes. Google keeps receipts. (laughs) I need to probably take some sort of class. I'm just curious, you know, uh, because if you if you do a little research, you'll see the numbers are staggering. Um, one of my friends was telling me, uh, I think on a very old episode of this podcast, uh, one of my friends, once she started doing advocacy for um, intimate partner violence, domestic violence, she realized, I think she read an ad, not an ad, but she read an article when she was doing her research on that where this guy was advertising his baby for sex. Like he had a two-year-old who um, he was offering on one of these websites for sex. That's not a crime, actually. The only crime is when the person shows up to have sex with the two-year-old baby. Gross. So I don't know if that's state level. I don't know what that is, but all of that needs to be a crime. So, I mean, if you want to know about the society we live in, there's plenty of details that people just gloss over because it doesn't fit the narrative. You know, somebody was asking me a question the other day. I forgot what it was. Oh, the story on St. Louis that was on 60 Minutes. And it's like, you know, well, that's not a good example. There was... uh, I can't think of what I'm thinking of now, but if you watch TV, you hardly ever see any poor white people. I think that Duck Dynasty people, those people appeal, but they're not even poor. I don't think their family was ever poor. They're just kind of like playing up these roles and the beards and all that. They're all, they all went to college and they all have businesses and stuff. I mean, I think the narrative in America that is that everybody who's poor is black and that all black people are poor except for LeBron James, but he used to be poor, so he's okay. You know, this whole thing, and it's like, what in the world? That's not true. It's not true. There's so many people who are black and they're not struggling, you know? And then there's this other narrative that there's no poor white people, but there are. And instead of worrying about what people's races are, I'm telling you, this is why they don't whoever they is (laughs) this is why it's not encouraged to think as a group because if you separate issues based off of class instead of race you know then you got a whole nother ball of wax because you know 99% is a lot bigger than 1% but if you all feel united if we all feel like we all have the same voice and it doesn't matter what race we are, but we are coming from a standpoint of class and demanding things as a, as you know, a middle class, working class, lower class, you know, if we start demanding that way, then somebody would have to do something. But you don't have to because all of a sudden all you got to do is say, but you're black or somebody's black or somebody's white there you go then everybody's like off onto this race thing 
but that's just my two cents on that. I do think there are race issues in this country, absolutely. Are people racist? Yeah. Textbook racist? Not always. Some people are just prejudiced. Some people are just awful. But, you know, anybody who's, like, berating a victim of of childhood sex trauma is probably an awful human being. But they're entitled to believe what they want to believe, but they're not entitled to bully somebody about it. So that's where we have to draw the line. Like, you don't have to agree with everything I say for sure. But you don't get to, like, you know, bully me and threaten my life and all that kind of stuff either. That's crazy. But, you know, anyway, it's a fascinating time to be alive. And we get to document it all with our phones. So there's that. (laughs) Um, So I spent the better part of... Uh, my weekend rebuilding and building websites so there is a madlovepodcast.com and eventually you'll be able to leave comments there and we can build a community there you can join I'll have uh, probably some subscription level members only level content I don't know when that's coming but hopefully soon Um, but for now there's that and you can listen to the podcast from the website Um, The blog is interesting because I post things there that I think, you know, the Mad Love crowd would like. Uh, So check it out. Uh, I appreciate all the support. I hope everyone is doing well. Please wash your hands. COVID hasn't gone away. I know this happened last year. I know you guys get tired of it and it gets warm outside and you just, you know, at least you don't have to stay stuck in your house this year. But you might want to stay stuck in your house till it goes away for real. Um, cause we don't know what the long term lasting effects of this thing is, you know, it, it, it's mutating. I mean, I don't want to put this in the universe, but what if it turns out to be something like polio? What if it's something that some people just never get rid of COVID stays in their bodies? We don't know, you know, and this is a society that nobody's interested in not knowing shit. We want to know everything as soon as, but like I just explained with the criminal justice system, there are things you just aren't going to know. Um, and COVID's one of them. We're not going to know for years what really is going on in our bodies once you get exposed to this stuff. And, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't die. Yeah, that's great. But a lot of people are still very sick. And I want to make this point. It's probably not as deep. <laughs> it's not as deep as I've set it up to be. But Cam Newton was playing pretty good football until he got COVID. I know everybody wants to trash his season last year. And yes, the Patriots did not give him any weapons to work with. Agreed. But he had that same craptastic team when he was doing such a good job early on. I think they were winning. I think he won four or five games playing great. And then he got COVID and it all looked different. Now, you can't tell me he felt the same after he had it. And he's a world-class athlete. You can go online and watch him work out. You can see the kind of stuff he was doing. I still think he was hanging around too many people during COVID, trying to get a job. And, you know, I know they... Anyway, I'm not trying to beat up the victim and mess up my story. But I do think that he played excellent football before he got COVID. Then after COVID, he was a different player. You know, and so you just hope that he fully recovers because it was clear he wasn't when he came back. 
he was a different player. And if that can affect him like that, the rest of us are goners, you know, so you got to be careful and maybe you won't be a goner, but you could still be sick and nobody wants that. Nobody wants to sit around and be sick. Sick sucks. All right. That's it for me today. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful, awesome day that everything goes your way. And, uh, you know, I hope you are able to receive all the blessings that the universe has in store for you because you, my friend, you deserve it. All right. Be well, be safe and absolutely be your best.